Meet Yelp for Restaurants. Not the software company, but the people who love restaurants so much they formed a team dedicated to our industry. Before Catherine joined the customer success team, she managed the modern in New York. Yeah, that modern. Before Julia joined the team, she worked at Oshaval in Chicago for half a decade. Yelp is for restaurants because our people are restaurant people. Meet the new Yelp at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Restaurant Marketing School. I'm Josh Kopel, a Michelin-rated restaurateur. Together with David Dressler of Tinder Greens, we're unpacking the tools and tactics used by million-dollar marketing agencies to help you grow your restaurant. Join us daily to get a marketing tip you can use in your restaurant today. Today, we're talking about partnerships. At the start and ongoing, we're going to review agreements and standards. David, the king of partnerships. You've, you've had, really, I mean, like the way that Tinder Greens was structured and you learn all about this in the book. I mean, you guys had all kinds of partnerships, contracted partnerships, investor partnerships, strategic partnerships, partnerships that kind of bled into all three. Talk to me about all of the lessons you learned in creating so many dynamic partnerships. Well, for Eric, Matt and I, it was really important that all of our partnerships be win-win partnerships. We didn't want there to always be a loser in any given equation, even if it was the paper supply guy. We wanted them to be able to get the money that they needed. And if there was a way for us to partner more deeply, then great. And we have lots of examples of that with farmers and artisans and, and even our bank. Like, what do you need? What do I need? And let's talk about it and let's be open with each other so that we can really be excited. Both parties can be excited about the partnership. So that's the starting point is win-win. Then next to win-win is, okay, how are we going to operate in this partnership together? What are the understandings that we have in terms of the agreements that we make and the standards that we're not going to ever dip below? And as an example, my partners, Eric, Matt, and I agreed that we were always going to put the business first, that we were never going to get involved in any petty discussions that were about our own needs. Sure, we could say, hey, I need Wednesday off because my daughter's doing a minute. And we'd say, absolutely, let's work it out. But if there was a reason why the business had to come first for any given thing, that's what would come first. Another agreement was that it was a two-thirds vote. Typically, when we made important decisions, we were aligned. But if we weren't aligned for any reason, and each party had a chance to do some lobbying with the other partners to say, hey, you know, I think you should vote this way on this, and this is why. At the end of the day, if I couldn't convince somebody to come along with me and I got outvoted, it was for the good of the company because that was the perspective that we had. So two-thirds vote, which is easy when you have three partners, but harder when you have two. But there has to be some way that you've decided that you're going to make decisions together, especially when there's disagreement. Another would be about gossip. We agreed that a standard for us was that we would come to each other with our beefs, our resentments, and not go to anybody else on the team and say, Eric pisses me off when he does this. Because my definition of gossip is going to a person who can't help you with your problem. Mm. So right, talk to the person who you have the beef with and resolve it. And if you can't resolve it together, get some help. Bring in a third party to help you facilitate. But don't take your stuff out and, and poison the rest of the workforce because everybody else is looking at you like mom and dad are fighting. And I don't know what to do. You might have other standards or agreements like 
we show up for our meetings on time and we don't leave somebody waiting for half an hour while we're having a glass of rosé at a table. We come back and we, we hold our partner in esteem to say, listen, this is an important guest. I'm not blowing you off here, but I think I need to deal with this. I need to talk to this person for a little bit. Can we meet a little bit later? Now, like, don't take people for granted. Return your calls in a timely manner. Be connected to an agenda, your goals. Don't go off and silo yourself. Uh, don't keep secrets. Those kinds of agreements make for strong partnerships internally, externally, win-win outcomes, clearly defined expectations, clearly defined goals, put it down on paper, both parties agreeing, signing, and holding each other accountable. We had a partnership with Scarborough Farms, our lettuce and herbs vendor and splatter, tomatoes in season, and just an awesome long-term relationship with those folks. But here's a perfect example of how you can screw up, how we screwed up. We decided one day that we were going to take a menu item off the menu. It wasn't selling well. Now, this is something that we had them grow special lettuces for us for. We didn't tell them. They had rows and rows of this stuff growing in the ground. We took it off the menu without even notifying them. And they were like, hey, you don't seem to be ordering this stuff anymore. Oh, yeah, we took it off the menu. Well, it's in the ground. It's boxed up and ready to go. It's happening. So having thought through, you're not just the lettuce vendor, you're a business. And we have to respect your business just like you're respecting ours by providing so that really led to, wow, we screwed the pooch on this and we're going to have a system in place so that we give them as much notice and going back to them and saying, Scarborough Farms, how much notice do you actually need if we make a menu change? Well, we need this many da-da-da. Okay, great. That's what we'll do going forward. And now let's build that into our systems. Oh, new menu item coming on, old menu item going off. What's the first thing we do? We let Scarborough Farms. That creates respect. That's win-win. I don't care about your... 42 cases that are in your warehouse that are now being sold to nobody. That's respect. I've got two questions for you. So the first one relates to defensiveness. I can't imagine I'm alone, but only hope that some of the people listening find themselves in a similar boat. In the first business that I started, when I went independent, I was like 23 years old. I can remember sitting in the car with my business partner at the time, and he kept pitching ideas and I kept shooting them down. And he stopped me in the middle of it and he goes, you're just saying no to say no. You're just being argumentative. You're just being defensive. And it's because it doesn't stem from you. And in that moment, I had this realization. I was like, you know, I don't even really know if I was listening to anything that he said. I'm just defensive by nature. As entrepreneurs, we have a tendency to be protective of our ideas. It's some mixture of hubris paired with optimism which is probably a beautiful way to put something that is terrible and destructive. But ultimately, that defensiveness, right? It makes us bad partners by nature. Probably makes us great entrepreneurs, but bad partners by nature. How do we overcome that defensiveness and protectionism of our own ideas for the benefit of the partnership? So I'll just give you a perspective on it and then I'll give you a tool. The perspective is we don't know everything. And if we come at things with a beginner's mind, which is sort of the open curiosity of, well, maybe I don't know anything. Maybe I know some things, but I don't know everything. That for me is, as one of my teachers would say, is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom acquisition is about skepticism. And not skepticism like, I think you're wrong. Skepticism like, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe everything that I think is not quite right. And that's how wisdom is acquired. The opposite, of course, holds true that if you're 
closed off to the idea that maybe I could learn something in this moment, you're not going to be open to wisdom or a good idea or a million dollar idea or whatever. So that's one. The second thing is a game that I learned called uh, Yes And, which you may know. And the idea there is being open to the idea that whatever the idea is that's coming at you, there's something about that that you can like. There's something, there's 10% of it that you might like, even if you hate 90%. So when I'm talking with somebody and we're ideating or we're coming up with something, I would say, yes. And what I like about that is, and so you say, I think we should grow blah, blah, blah for blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, what I really like about that is this. And then I'll join my idea to yours. So I'm not saying, no, I hate that idea. I'm not saying I like that idea because I don't like all of it, but I like something. And what that does is it keeps creativity open. It keeps the channel open. And then, by the way, the person that I'm sitting across from gets to say, oh, what I like about that idea is, and finds the 10% that they like, and they add their idea. This is a different kind of way of brainstorming. And hopefully you're either recording it or you're taking some notes. And at the end of it, when everybody has sort of run out of what I like about that is and, then you have some real good substance to dream from. And some of it might be ridiculous. Some of it might be totally outlandish and unrealistic, but probably the great kernel of what really needs to happen is lying in there somewhere. My last question relates to resentment. We change and evolve as individuals, as entrepreneurs, as restaurateurs, and our businesses do as well. There's this very profound moment in my career where Prue and Proper had evolved from this kind of elevated bar concept into legit fine dining to the degree that we ended up Michelin rated. And I was so excited and I was so pleased with myself, right? And everything that we had accomplished. And I remember sitting down with my principal business partner and financier, and he was not pleased. It just wasn't what he had signed on for. He wasn't a fine dining kind of guy. He liked that idea of an elevated bar concept and a beautiful building and all of this. And what we had today, we had reached the highest echelons of what he did not want. And I think to protect his investment, he had allowed me to move forward in this direction. But ultimately, what it led to was resentment on his part, that he had signed on for A and ended up receiving B in return. And even though B was perceived as valuable publicly on a personal level, he saw very little value in it. And it took years to work through that resentment. And I'm wondering, how do you prevent resentment in partnerships from occurring to begin with? And then what are some tools, if it exists, to get rid of it? I don't know that you can prevent all of them, but one great way to prevent them is to be open. They say resentments are expectations unmet, right? So if I have expectations, then, well, maybe shame on me, but if I have expectations that I don't express, then there's no possibility for us to find middle ground. Your partner expected this, you had another expectation and somewhere there was no middle ground of, well, we could do this. There was what Josh wanted and it happened and probably for good reason, but maybe he could have been more vocal as it was going along. Maybe there was a compromise to be made, but it's typically about compromise or a parting of the ways or something that allows for there to be everybody having their needs met. The tool is open dialogue and it sounds Oftentimes when it starts, when partners are getting used to this notion of really having an open relationship, it scares me to say this, 
but for the good of the company and for the good of, of our partnership, I'm going to say it anyway. That gives the person receiving this information notice that this is an uncomfortable topic. This is serious for me. And it allows me, the speaker, to own that this is scary for me. I'm not into conflict. This person has a larger personality than me, but I need to show up. So I'm couching it with be kind here, take a breath, because I'm taking a breath because I'm scared. If you want to hear previous episodes or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash marketing school. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Josh Kopel, and you've been listening to Restaurant Marketing School.